The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today, we are going to talk about attention. But first, I have to tell you, if you missed last week's episode with Abby Klein and Bonnie Scott, it's going crazy. It's super funny. You must, 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 must see it. It's literally one of my top 10 of all time. And now I not, guess not for children. <laughs> no, no, but it is it is very entertaining. All right. Oops. Oh my gosh, oh. Scott's dropping cigars. Everything's going crazy. All right. Before we get into attention, we're going to start with quirky tip of the day. <laughs> All right. Our quirky tip of the day is if you are teaching your dog to get off of something, this is a little bit of a pet peeve of ours. Don't say down. Say off. Um, I know that it makes sense. A lot of people are like, get down, do this, da da da. If you ever want to teach a formal down to your dog, it's better to have an off command. Get off the counter, get off the couch, get off the guests that came to my house, then say down. Because down should technically mean lay down. There's only so many words that are going to encompass lay down. You're not going to say lay. Some people do. But FYI, if you're teaching off, try to say off and not down. That's our quirky tip of the day. And I'll add that if you've been saying down for quite a... Quite a while here. The dog's probably not <laughs> yeah. listening anyway. They're not getting the message. You might so. as well start with a new word and Switch actually follow through and get them down. Switch get it up. Get them off. All right. So we are going to talk about eye contact today, you guys. And I, this is going to ruffle some feathers. Uh, here we go. Scott and Jess's MO yeah, ruffling feathers. this is about feathers. as controversial as we get. <laughs> We're getting into some dangerous territory. Well, we just have so many people that we see that are doing crazy things with getting their dog's attention at inopportune times and their dogs are just not following through. And we had to do an episode about it. Okay. So I know that people teach, you know, eye contact and attention and focus for different reasons. And of course there's value to teaching it. I mean, our dogs are like so up our asses that they're like always focused on us and they're always trying to engage. And that's just the type of dogs we get. But I understand that like, yes, you need the dog to be like realizing that you exist before you tell them to do a certain command. But asking for focus, especially when they're locked in on something that they're either very fearful of or very reactive towards or something else, is not necessarily your best method. So we're going to unpack that whole situation a little bit here today. Yeah, your dog focuses on me. I, I call her no blink. <laughs> the dog, Same. it's so uncomfortable. Same no matter what. Love Scott. Whenever the dog's in the room, I feel this burning <laughs> co- eye contact. I look over and she's just staring. <laughs> Constantly Literally. staring. 12. 12 years and 11 months this month. Yeah, it's she's going on 13. Yeah, this is how she interacts with Scott. Um, okay, outside of saying she's an exception to the rule. You know, there now are I places... I understand how the girls felt in high school when, when I would be staring at them. And they thought, this guy's kind of <laughs> creepy. You are this still is a little creepy. creepy. All right, moving on. <laughs> Let's not talk about high school days on the podcast. It could get a little rough. Um, so basically, you know, we were kind of hashing this out. And yes, we think that there is definitely a purpose to teaching focus. One of those places that we 100% use, even like a shaped focus, was in protection training in French ring. You know, before the dog gets released to the bite, they hear the stick. We want them to be thinking in their minds like, okay, you know, something exciting's happening. There's a decoy down the field that I want to bite. I'm going to look to mom or dad. So they released me to go. It was a good way to keep the dog 
like engaged, focused, and then asking for permission to leave helped our line of departure. We 100% always like to use it there. You, more often than not, are telling people to get your dog's attention before you tell them to heal or do something. Yeah, that's the practical side of it in the companion dog arena. I mean, in the competitive field, there's many, many places where having focus is important and a dog looks good and engaged and like the focused healing is an incredible thing to see when you see someone doing it well. But I'm teaching companion dogs. We're doing basic pet obedience. And what I'm seeing uh, all the time with new clients is, you know, they'll tell me I have a, my problem is reactivity. My dog is highly reactive to dogs, people, cats, animals, leaves, just nuts. And uh, we, we went, I went and saw a dog the other day, and we bring out a dog, and this dog starts barking and lunging, and the first thing the, the person is doing, and she's been taught this, she's putting food on the dog's face, trying to lure the dog back to look at her. And the dog, of course, could care less about the treat. The dog is already over threshold, lunging, barking, and whatnot. And it's a very, I just have not seen it done successfully. And I've seen many, many people do it, try to do it. And the next thing they do immediately is body block. So now they're standing in front, they're trying to get in front of the dog so the dog can't see the distraction that they're already over threshold about. They're trying to say, look or focus, focus. And um, the dog is just trying to get around them to get to what it is that they want to get to. So they have no engagement and they can't make it work. Yeah, there's two pictures that we see. The one that Scott mentioned where, you know, the dog's facing exactly what it wants to be looking at or reacting to or doing whatever, you know, releasing whatever emotion it has, and the person's body blocking. And think about, like, somebody at a bar, right? Like, they're getting kind of feisty, everything else. The bouncer goes up, you know, steps in their way. It makes them want to go more. It makes them want to look around. It makes that that fight get intensified. And the other thing that we see is sometimes the person actually wanting to turn the dog away from the distraction. So, you know, something really crazy on the street. They're trying to turn the dog's butt to Towards the distractions, the dog's just focusing on them, which is like uber, 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 super hard, right? Like there's, if the dog wants something else and they want to turn completely around, it's not a great time to give focus. Especially when they're in a harness. Yeah. Which is what I see most of the time. Yeah. So it's just this lost cause where, you know, the person is reacting. The focus almost becomes like a pre-cue towards, okay, like we're going to get reactive. Something exciting is going to happen. Here we go. Food is involved. So the dog's getting reinforced for this like heightened arousal and everything else. And it's If they're just, even going to take the treat. Yeah, Usually they won't take it at that point. it's not a good time to start saying, watch me, you know, let's focus. Let's do this. It, it, 100% of the time fails when we see it in the pet dog world. And really we started unpacking this whole thing. And why are you teaching focus in the first place? Like, where do you need it? When is it popping up? Like really when you're doing behaviors and your dog is working with you, focus should just kind of be built in, right? You don't need to be giving this specific cue of like, watch me. And then this. So Scott always says to his clients, which is what I was trying to touch on before he went off on the tangent of, you know, the body blocking and everything else, he'll say, make a little noise, like a little kissy noise, like, 
Just get the dog's attention before you tell the dog to do something so you know that the dog is actually listening to you. You're not just, you know, spewing words out in the universe and the dog isn't connected. Yes, there's a good point of connecting and making this, you know, journey together before you go into a behavior. But a specific focus command is not really aiding people as much as they may think. But people all over this country are getting taught that it's like of utmost importance in dog training. Yeah, I don't think it's the the end user's fault at all. I think that people are doing the best they can with their dogs and they're being taught this in classes and they're trying to implement it and it's not working. That's the problem. It's not that people think this is the best way to go and I'm going to keep doing this. It's just, and I even think that, you know, aside from this focus, when you get into big distractions, things that get a dog just to go from zero to a hundred in seconds, that it's even any static behavior is a very difficult thing for the dog. Forget about focus. Just getting the dog to sit when there's a cat that the dog wants to kill shooting across the street is, is almost too much to ask with most of these dogs. So I don't encourage people to get involved in any kind of a static behavior like a sit or a down. Get the dog moving and get them healing with you, assuming they've learned this and you go in the opposite direction you can turn and reapproach towards the distraction. If they're going to disengage from you, you're going to change direction again. So there's, there's different ways to demand the dog pay attention to you by giving them, and I always say, give the dog, you know, five or six different things to do fairly quickly that he knows. Heel, sit, heel, sit, left turn, right turn. Start doing a lot of stuff because you're forcing them to pay attention to you because you're changing things up. But just having them sit static, it's just their head's going to explode. You know, yeah. that, that's the way it looks to me. Yeah, no, there's a lot of other behaviors where they can burn off more steam doing movement and everything else. And just think to yourselves, like, if I have a focus command, when am I using it? Why am I using it? What am I doing? Your dog may be, you know, a really great trail dog. And then when somebody walks by, you ask for focus and, you know, you're feeding as the dog's paying attention to you. If it works, great. Most of the time, it doesn't work. It's almost like this opposition reflex of like, you want me at your eyes, but I want to be there. So if it's not working, think about just taking a handful of food and feeding your dog through that distraction. Like they're just ferociously eating out of your hand. They're, they're, you're not asking for a behavior. That would be more productive. At least and you then, got there, can, you know, keep them busy. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it is where is your point of holding criteria for focus, right? Because, you know, I think a focus is like, you know, in a puppy class, little puppy games where, you know, the puppy's looking at you, the puppy's looking at you, maybe you have cookies in your hand, you put cookies out to either side of your body, and then the puppy makes eye contact with you and you feed the puppy. Even when I was just demoing that, if you're watching the video version, I came back into the center to feed the dog from here. Theoretically, if you have your hands out and you go to feed the dog the cookie, your dog should be burning on your eyes until that cookie reaches their nose. So if you are asking for a watch or a focus or something else, if you go reach for the treats, does the dog now break the behavior? If you go to reward, is the dog breaking the behavior? You theoretically should be releasing the dog out of this like forced focus, if you will. But people use it over and over and over again to almost no avail from what we're seeing. So we just really wanted to bring it up and have you guys flush out, how are you using it? Is it working? And maybe there's something better out there for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, in theory, it sounds good because someone can lay out all the steps of how you're supposed to do this. And if the dog is getting, you know, too distracted, too much, you know, over threshold, 
uh, you want to make more distance and you want to work it from more distance. And you can do that stuff. The thing is, it's really hard to set up the distractions and all this stuff at home and have somebody else with some crazy dog or a cat. You know, when these things pop up, you can't, you don't have deer at your disposal. I need a deer now. Bring the deer out to run across the yard. It's really difficult, you know, and I, I, I just think there's much more practical ways to address these type of problems. And I think that a lot of people have been, you know, fed this thing about focus and, and it's just not, and it, they almost feel like, you know, it's their fault. This isn't working. I've been trying to do it for X amount of weeks, months, and I just can't get a handle on this. Yeah. And if you think about another version of it, okay, so the dog's stimulated by a deer. You see a deer pop out on the trail, throw some food in your dog's face before they react. Yes. Good dog. Good dog. Good dog. Then like Scott said, now turn and walk the other way, get the dog moving, get the dog doing things, but reinforce this precursor of like, Hey, you're looking at the distraction. I know there's a lot there. You're doing a good job. Distance isn't always going to be available to you guys. And you know, distance is your friend. It is nice to, you know, create certain amounts of distances and back up and get the dog prepared. Distance always doesn't happen. You can be on a trail, you can have a squirrel pop out five feet in front of you, that's just real life. So what do you do in those scenarios? And when you start demanding focus and your dog's blowing you off, you're not necessarily helping your cause. Yeah. I would say even dogs that don't have extreme reactivity, but they're just interested in whatever it is to the point where they don't want to pay attention to you. Even those dogs that are not extreme, it still doesn't work for them because people haven't proofed the focus that they're working on, even in their kitchen. And what I mean by that is you should be able to tell a dog to focus on you. When you go to get food, the focus shouldn't break. If you drop food on the ground, the focus shouldn't break. You're working on the, you know, you're getting that criteria to a point where it's usable in the world. And that means the eyes don't come off you no matter what's going on. Then I can see that working with a dog that isn't extremely reactive, but is just more really interested and curious about the world. And then maybe they want to go up, approach a, a rabbit just because they're, they're interested in it, not because they want to kill it. They're just like, oh, what's that? I want to go over there. And you can say, hey, come here, sit, uh, focus. And in that context, I could see it working. If you proof that behavior away from the distractions in the first place, creating your own distractions where the dog knows the criteria is strict. The only um, time I saw that kind of um, forced focus was with that. It was a, a trainer that through the DeBruzio, the guy that was here, mm-hmm. where the woman had a gentle leader on the dog and she took the, the leash and just pulled it up into her face. So the dog's head was just turned and focused right up in her face. She was able to create it and hold it there. Yeah. And that was a way that she could make the dog just have its head looking up at her because... But that wasn't a command that she gave, then the dog followed. That was No, no, but she would just force that look up at here by holding the dog by the leash with the gentle leader, which, you know, that's not training. That's just management. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, maybe it works, but it's, it's pure management at that point. Yeah, it's not the same thing as teaching a focus command. All right, let's go to break super quick. When we get back, we're going to talk more about eye contact. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to The Madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. 
Okay, so some other areas where we would like to see focus. First and foremost, I want to say if you're teaching competitive obedience or any sort of IGP or anything else, you're building focus into your behavior, right? Healing is the dog looking up at you. You're not asking the dog to watch. You're not asking the dog to look. Focus healing is built into the actual behavior. A front. The dog is burning on you. The dog is looking at you. The dog is really, really focused on you. They're not going to be looking around for distraction, everything else. They're in a front until they're released from that front or they're finishing that front or anything else. So if you're doing those types of competitive things, the focus should be built into the behavior. Times where we would want focus or we like ask for focus or demand focus out of our dogs. My dogs, 100%, if they want something like, let's go back to sink, uh, Scott's no blank dog. If she wants to go swimming, she's going to be looking at me like, will you let me go swimming? Will you let me go swimming? She's going to be like asking for permission. Like, can you send me there? Can you let me do this? I want to play ball. I want to do this. So if our dogs want something, they're going to be looking to us like, can you release me to do this? Will you let me do this? I want to do this. Can I do this? They're kind of asking for permission. That's just built into how we train and what we do. Other times where we may like be asking for focus or want to connect with our dog. If our dogs are mulling about playing with toys or something else, if we say their name, we normally want them to check in. Meaning like, I'll say like vital. And if she doesn't look at me, I'll kind of get on her more like, Hey, what are you doing? And I'll connect there. Like, you know, don't do that. Don't chew that toy. I don't want you to destroy that. Don't go any farther. Anything else. Scott does the same types of things with his dogs where, you know, he's saying their name or whatever on a trail. We just want some acknowledgement, a little bit of check-in, everything else. So that's kind of the extent of where we use focus in our own training with our own dogs outside of, like I was saying, if we're teaching more of a competitive obedience behaviors, or we're teaching like a line of departure for protection and, you know, more sporty type of stuff. And it's pretty much the extent that we use focus with the pet dogs too. We just are not real big. Like watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Ideally, you're a fun enough trainer and a fun enough partner that the dog's engaging with you right from the get go. And engagement may be your issue, not just begging for the dog to watch you or focus. Yeah. I mean, when I get into the healing, uh, and the way I teach my clients to heal is I want the dog to be able to see the leg, that left leg in their peripheral vision. They're not looking up. They're just walking along next to their owner and they can see that leg right here. And if that leg is out of sight, they might as well be 20 feet in front of the person because the dog has no idea where you are. Yeah, but we want the dogs to be able to scan the environment, see what's going on. The dogs should be able to feel safe that, you know, hey, I'm able to look around. I'm able to see what's going on. They don't need to be burning on you. You don't need to be asking them to ignore the environment, which is stimulating or scary or something else because you're afraid you're going to lose control. Gain control in other ways. Come up with other, you know, games and other ways that, you know, you have solid loose leash walking. You have a good place command. You do have a good sit. You know, if there's going to be, you know, deer running across the street, if you need to, you can tell your dog to sit and from a distance, they can hold that sit. But that doesn't mean the dog has to be focused on me. I'm feeding good behavior all the time, whether my dog's in a sit or a down or loose leash walking or it's a pet dog. If you're making a good choice, I'm going to be giving you cookies and you don't have to be looking at me. You can be looking at what's out there. That's okay. Just have more of a neutral response. And I guess that's kind of where Scott and I fall with dog training with our own personal dogs and our client dogs. We're looking for neutrality, right? Like this focus is a very huge engagement point. And sometimes these dogs now, especially drivey, drivey breeds and 
dogs that love food and love toys and love the engagement, they start getting a little neurotic. They're like 100% all the time. Like, I'm here. I'm ready to engage. I'm here. I'm ready to engage. What do you want me to do? And you don't want the dogs to get like this. It's almost creating like this underlying anxiety. We want the dogs to be neutral. We want the dogs to listen. And yeah, if we want to get their attention, we'd like them to check in with us. But this whole sustained focus that is just taking off and becoming, you know, the cat's meow isn't working in the part of the country that we're seeing it at least. So we just wanted to draw attention to that. Yeah, I've been, I've been seeing it for years and it just, you know, it's frustrating for, for the people and it's, it's just not productive. You know, the dog, they have no engagement. The dog doesn't care. And I think it's making things worse. I guess that's why we wanted to bring it up. It's not even that it's not working. It's actually escalating the problem and making the dogs more frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't know what to do. They're just trying and you're, you're kind of opposing what they want to do. So then they're just trying to work around you and they don't, they're just brushing you off with the food. They don't care about the food. So it's just not, I don't think it's a practical way to overcome big distractions in your envi- environment with the focus. Yeah. That's no, all. It's a great trick. And, you know, like I said, it's a great thing for puppy class and engagement and everything else there. But if you're walking and, you know, you want to be teaching a focused heel and you have to keep reminding the dog, watch, 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 watch. That's a foundational problem. If your dog, you know, gets to a front and then as soon as you deliver that food or, you know, you spit the food on the ground or something and their head drops, that's a foundational problem. Those, those attention-seeking behaviors or the attention within those behaviors should be built in from the foundation. They shouldn't be something that you're asking for. They shouldn't be something that you're reminding your dog of doing. And that's why we just kind of wanted you guys to go back to the real reason that you're using this and you're asking for this. And then again, what's your criteria? Like Scott said, if food drops on the ground, is your dog still looking at you? Like we've both said throughout this podcast, if you reach for treats, does the dog break its focus? Because then that's not really focus. That's just looking at you until there's something better in the environment to look at. And that's not really, I don't think, what the initial reason for teaching the behavior was. And I would also just remind people that, you know, there's a lot of us out here that in the world that uh, are able to have their dogs off leash because we live in near wooded areas and we can take them to big open places where they basically are out of trouble. Um, But in those situations, quite often they will chase wildlife. And they'll even go out of sight. They come back, but they chase wildlife and they are rewarding themselves by doing that. And now when you put them on leash, or they might even see dogs and they want to run over and play with those dogs and they're not aggressive. They just want to play with dogs and they see the dogs, they run over to them and they play together. So all those things are reinforcing the dog, you know, their external rewards away from you. Now, when you have the dog on leash, it sees these external things, whether it's something they want to chase or a dog they want to go say hi to. And you have nothing. They're pulling, they're lunging, they don't care. And, and you're feeling bad because you know they want to go see that dog. And maybe the other people are like, hey, my dog's not friendly, you know, but they don't have any way of reeling that dog in mentally. Yeah. You know? So I guess that's a good foundation. And that goes back to that neutrality. Don't let the dog seek a lot of rewarding experiences away from you in, in, the, in the environment. Especially if you have control issues. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly don't let them you know, 
kill small animals, even if it's chipmunks, because it's just a big fun game that they're getting to. I'm going a little off the focus yeah. path. <laughs> well, I mean, try and get focus around chipmunks after they're killing them for a month or two. It's going to be a lot more difficult. So if you guys do have a watch command, I just want you to be thoughtful of this. And we're sure that you were taught it. And again, it's not your fault. And it's not your trainer's fault. These are fun parlor trick games. But to bring these things out into the real world and expect your dog to be focusing on you when, you know, a runner that they want to chase is going by or a dog that, you know, they love to play with or maybe they want to kill or whatever is walking behind them. That's a really tall order to fill. That is a really hard thing. Even for sport dogs, there's a lot to ask a sport dog to leave a decoy, a guy in a bite suit and come back and be facing away from that guy, be directly centered on you and just focusing on you. So be thoughtful of how you actually want to apply those things. And then just don't ask for something you're not going to get, right? We don't want to just be telling our dogs a lot of things and we know it's not going to happen anyway. So again, maybe just you have a handful of food, throw it in their face. They're just, you know, blah, 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 blah. they're eating during the entire distraction. The distraction goes past the, the thing's over and you didn't ask for anything and they got some good cookies along the way. Anything well, else? I, I will say that I think in some ways it is easier to teach a protection dog to give you focus when he's getting to bite a decoy because they're rewarding the focus with the bite also in training. Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a companion animal situation, you're not going to say, give me focus. Okay, I'm going to drop the leash. Now you can go chase that cat that yeah. ran into the alley. Yeah. You know, that's not going to happen. But when a, when a protection dog learns, I get to do what I love to do by giving my owner some good focus for however long it takes. I know when, when it's over, I'm going to get to do something really fun. That gets them to hang in there to do yeah. it. For a line know. of departure stuff at the end of the behavior where there's a front, most people aren't releasing well, the dog back. Well, in, in training, they can do it all over the place. The yep. dog is giving good focus, boom, out of a heel, shoom, they can take off and get a bite. So you can use that bite as the reward to build that really strong focus, you know? Yeah. All right, guys, I hope that we helped you a little bit here today. Next week, we have one of our in-person clients coming on. We talk about her journey from when her dog was on Prozac to when she got off Prozac, how that affected her. It's a really um, reactive and anxious German Shepherd. We think you guys are going to love it. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us this week, and keep it quirky. quirky. Bye, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.